Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hey, this is Alan Aldridge, and this is a song called Away I Go. We are at Munson & Brothers Trading Post in Columbus, Mississippi. up to a wet pillowcase I must have dreamt of you I broke down on the kitchen floor once more at the bathroom sink seems a man in the mirror needs a little more time to think I tried to stop myself at the door but I was bent on one more drink Downtown in the same old watering hole. Plan to leave as the sun sets just before I slip away. Off into the neon light like a moth straight to the flame. Unsettling desperation, everybody here knows her name. Some empty love Sidetracked on some back road Awaiting some universal apology Now I don't know where it goes But I know just where it leads Episode of Porch Talk, and we have a a, a commemorative episode here. 
because and we're flipping it around and so and so uh, I am a guest host I'm honored to do it Alan asked me to come in and be a guest host Bo Jeffries and uh, and Alan is uh, you are the artist you are the yeah you're the interviewed I get to ask you and we get to hear about your story and your life a little bit yeah man get some of your songs huh yeah man get to know your host right right get to know your host and you started this and you hopefully we can maybe even talk about porch talk then and now a little bit and how you feel how it's you know your thoughts but uh yeah cool song and uh what, what 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 do you have to say yeah, man. Um, <laughs> just about a way we go, or a way I go, is uh, I was having a conversation recently with a friend, and um, he's gone through some of the same things that I've happened to have gone through. And, um, you know, he was just sharing about, like, uh, you know, I was just uncontrollable, man. I might wake up, and man, I'm just crying. And, uh, yeah, I, I miss her. But I don't want her back, you know. And I was like, "Yeah, man, I know exactly uh, a little bit about that." You right. Know? And so, uh, two nights ago, I sat down just in preparation for this and was able to write two songs, and that was one of the songs that came out. The one you just did? Yeah. Oh wow, man! Yeah. Two days old? Yeah. Oh man. Well, that's really yeah. brave, and and uh, <laughs> yeah, that's great, though. Yeah. Yeah, man. And Something so, to uh, it. Yeah, I was excited about it because it usually they don't spit out that quick. Mind off. Usually not, man. Because I think it's a rare thing, and just like from talking to artists, you know, uh, when that happens, like with Sean James when he wrote "Flow," it was one of those things to where uh, you know it it just started playing a tune, and then the words just poured out, and that that's the same thing that kind of happened with this. You know, mm-hmm. I was thinking about him, and uh, I was just. Yeah, I've been there. I know a little bit about that, and then taking a little bit of what he had told me, mm-hmm. and there it is. Wow, cool. Uh, before we, you want to get into music, or do we want to get into story, man? Like, let's we, do we, a little bit of the story. Want to hear? About, uh, let's yeah. talk about story. All right, so, so you, where you, Alabama, you're an Alabama guy. Yeah, right? man. is that an Alabamian? What do y'all call yourselves? Yeah, I mean, Alabamian. Yeah, is for that sure. right? Yeah, that's it. Mississippians, I mean, we're like, we call ourselves Mississippians, I think. Yeah. So, Alabamian, you're an Alabamian. i tell you something crazy, though, is like I've worked, since I've been old enough to work, I've pretty much worked in Mississippi my whole life. Yeah. Lived in Alabama, worked in Mississippi, from Kennedy, Alabama. That sounds like a country song, man. Yeah. You could write a country song about Mississippi worker, Alabama, you know. Yeah, Alabama living. Alabama home. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man, Kennedy, Alabama. Super small town. Kennedy. Where is Kennedy? So if you was to leave Columbus on 50, when you hit the state line, that'll turn into Highway 96. Okay. And uh, it'll run you right through Millport. All right. And then you'll hit my high school, South Lamar. And then if you keep going down 96, it'll run you right through the middle of Kennedy. But if you blink, you'll miss it. You'll miss it. And that's on the way to Tuscaloosa. No. Um, if you took 82, um, oh, that would 80. take you through reform. That would lead you to touch. Right, closer. reform. I got you. But reform is, like, I live on the, uh, let's see, uh, the south side of Kennedy, and so yeah. reform is fairly close, so you're all over it. Yeah. yeah, right, 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 right. Wow. Okay, so you born there, siblings, yeah, man. own life. Older brother. 
uh, 16 months apart. Okay. So uh, they popped us right out. Yeah. And uh, we grew up playing baseball, me and my brother both. My brother was a pitcher. Yeah. I played so you're first a catcher? base. Are you first base? You left-handed? Left-handed. Me too. That's okay. right. Yeah. I played first base. Love yeah. baseball growing up. Yeah, man, I did too. Who'd you watch growing up? What team? Did you watch? What, what Dude, baseball I, um, team you like? I was played. I was a Braves fan. Because on TBS. Yeah, because yeah. you could watch. It was accessibility. See, I was yeah. on Cubs because you could see the Cubs on Channel Three. Yeah, WGN. You know? But I, I was a huge fan of King Griffey Jr. You know. Okay. That was yeah, uh, yeah, that yeah. was, he was good idol. man. And he had uh, the uppercut swing. Yeah. Yeah, it was a great place to be as a kid and like try to swing like him and get a lot of bad habits. <laughs> <laughs> so you left uh, left hitter left. I can switch. Oh, you switch hitter. Yeah, yeah, I mean, like I play guitar. You play guitar right handed as well, right? And uh, but the thing about that is, like, when I was getting a guitar, is the guy that sized me up. You know, left handed, right handed. I was like, I'm left handed, but I don't know any left handed guitar players, and I feel like I should learn right handed just because of accessibility. Like, what if I was over at a buddy's house and there's not a guitar over there I could play? Mm-hmm. And he was like, well, think about this is like you have a lot more dexterity in your left hand anyway, and you typically want more dexterity on your fret hand anyway. It's a good way to think about it. It just depends. Yeah. Whatever way you learn, so you yeah. can learn. But batting, I could bat either way. It, it really depended on the pitcher. Like my grandfather and uh, a guy named Clark Harden, uh, old timers, knew a lot about the game, and uh, they – Spent a lot of time with me and my brother and like really progressed us as far as that goes. And so by 10 years old, man, I was switch hitting. and So baseball um, was kind of, is kind of your narrative. Yeah, it was. Going for the longest. And like what you yeah. you know, did. I played until uh, I was 12. I didn't play 13, 14-year-old part league. And when I was 11, it was the practice game. It was the opening game of the season. We were playing Sillagent. It was the first time that me and my brother had been on the same team since T-ball. Hmm. and uh, there was a pop fly. I was playing second base, and he was playing shortstop. And the fly ball, um, it came on my side of the bag. Now, what's the rule? Where's the divide? Right. Right up the middle. And so, right up the middle. It's Mm -hmm. on my side of the bag. I call it, and he's trying to hot dog me. And so, as the ball's coming down, he's behind me, and I push him. Well, he falls and breaks his arm. Yeah. That sucks. And that was like a bad news bear season because for the longest time – we had uh we had two teams at South Lamar on the part league, but um, my grandpa started coaching and we was like a bad news bear team and so all the cats that I had played with and like done the all star run with, they were on the other team, mm-hmm. and um like they did the draft and didn't tell my grandfather and so he was just kind of left with what was left, and we ended up like only losing like two games really so it was like that perfect bad news bear season you know yeah. And that was uh that's pretty cool but uh after um it was during that season that uh it we were on our way to pick up a teammate i was riding in the back of the truck and um we're on a dirt road and this is like a perfect 90 degree curve and so this guy comes just hauling out of that curve and there was literally nothing my grandpa could do and it was a perfect head-on collision mm. and um the toolbox and me met in the middle of the bed of the truck. It's not the metal kind, but do you remember those old black hard plastic toolboxes? I think so, yeah. My teeth prints are, it's in the backyard. My teeth prints are in those, that it toolbox. It hits you right in the mouth. Right in the mouth. And so it looked like you took the butt end of a baseball bat 
and shoved uh, my gums down my throat. Like all this was in the back of my mouth. No broken bones though. And so when I came to, how that works, I don't know. Not you out cold. When I came, well, I was just kind of punch drunk or something. Like I, I never felt like completely out because I, like after the accident happened, I was still in the back of the truck and I came to, and I was spitting out teeth. Oh. And it was just uh, that real thick, and I just kind of held over the bed of the truck for a second and let all that drain out, and then I hopped out. There was a house up the hill, and they came running out, and they was like, are you okay? And I was like, no. And I looked in the truck, and my grandpa, his top of his head hit the windshield. I thought he was dead and because uh, he was knocked out laid over the steering wheel. And uh, my grandfather, he's dead now, but, I mean, he was uh, he was my hero, you know. And uh, so I thought he was dead, and I was like, what am I going to What's going on? They called 911, and, like, the, my neighbor was the ambulance driver. And uh, He was the EMT, wow. And he came on the scene. It was him and Alan Swedenberg, and uh, Sweetie still talks about it. Like, uh, it was last time I had seen him. It's been a couple of years, and that was one of the first things he brought up. He was like, I, uh, I still think about that, man. That was some nasty stuff. And... Um, we got to the hospital on the hallway there. Clint, uh, my neighbor, was telling me, you know, he's like, no, you don't go to sleep. Uh, you you might have been concussed. You, if you if you go to sleep, you know, you not, might come back, you know, and all this. Wow. And just How so old happened. were you? I was 11. 11. God. Yeah, man. I had uh, 13 teeth knocked out and eight permanent. And the permanent ones were my forefront and my foretop. And so I went my whole high school career with no teeth. You didn't get teeth? I had a wire. That ran across. Yeah, man. So um, I came back, and it was sixth grade, and then I went seventh through twelfth. And when I was 16, they gave me a, a partial that I could put in. But, uh, man, I couldn't get it. I couldn't get comfortable with it. And by this time, everybody was comfortable with me and not having teeth, so it wasn't a big deal, you know. So I, I wore them sometimes, like if I went out in public. But if I went to school, I wouldn't wear them. Cause it, get, it got on my nerves. I couldn't really talk. It was hard to get for me to get used to having teeth. <laughs> yeah. Well, anytime anything in your mouth happens, it takes a while to get used yeah. to braces or yeah. any of that stuff. And when I was 18, I got this bridge, and uh, that's what I've been I've had since. And uh, I mean, that was that was that was crazy. Yeah, that's crazy, man. That's tough. Cause like at first sixth grade, coming back to school, I mean, everybody's gonna have their jokes. Yeah. And then when I hit cruel age, man. And then when I hit high school. Uh, the older cats jumped on, but luckily, man, my whole life I had been hanging out with my brother's friends, and so I had a group of people who was like, "Leave him alone." I mean, really, there's what could he do? Right. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. That's just insecurity. I mean, yeah. everybody's young. Yeah. Yeah. But that, but I know how that is. I mean, I'll just jump in and say I like. I mean, I probably did my share to younger people. I don't know. It seems like there's a little bit of a, but man, people mess with me a lot just about anything I mean everybody got messed with a little bit where I came from yeah. so bullying today is like I'm like man I mean yeah just part of it you know yeah, it but really is. how do you feel like that I mean that obviously that story I mean that shaped you yeah looking back on it now man it was a uh, I would say it was a bad start but really I, if I could go back I wouldn't you know right. but I think it's it, was, it was it's perfectly worth it and I was like it's mine and, um, you know, by the time I was 13, uh, I was owning it. Like, um, played high school ball for a while, and I had, like, two or three nicknames. One was Wire because 
uh, to keep these teeth from trying to close the gap, that space, they put uh, some kind of brace, like braces, right. and just a wire run across to keep those teeth right. pushed keep in place. Braced out, yeah. And so they called me wire. And then wire. A, another one was sweet tooth, and then the other one was like grandpa, you know. Yeah. And so I uh, had a lot of nicknames there. And I, I played, uh, I didn't play my seventh grade year or my eighth grade year, and then ninth grade. Uh, a couple of guys I grew up playing ball with was like, man, try out again, you know. Uh, come out and tried out and made the team that year and uh, played my ninth and 10th grade year and that was when I made the transition over to guitar and what that was was uh, my best friend transition okay yeah go ahead sorry uh, my best friend at the time man he had played uh, at the talent show and he he blew my hair back he played uh, Proud Mary by CCR and uh, I had known that Sid played guitar and I mean we'd hung out and I'd been over to his house you know seen the guitar and he'd done that and it was just like the best thing I'd ever seen. I, I just thought that that was just awesome. And uh, I went home that night and I told my grandma, I was my parents divorced when I was about 13. And so uh, I lived with my mother for about six months and then I would stay with my dad's parents until I was 18. And um, I told my grandmother that night, I said, uh, I want to play guitar. And so a couple weeks later, she would take me up here to DC Music. And uh, I got an, I still have it, an Alvarez uh, acoustic. And the guy took me upstairs, and like we started doing like these classical train lessons, but I hated it, mm-hmm. and I lasted for I think three weeks of that, and it was just, I'm not doing this, and so I went the self-taught yeah. way. Right. I had Sid and uh, Andrew Watkins. He had started playing. We really didn't start hanging out then, but like as Andrew came into my life a couple years later, we had a really good um, system of. Um, Man, having a little huddle, you know, or where was this? Where were it's just at we, high school? We, yeah, or college? we, we would be at my house or at their house in Kennedy. Yeah, just in good. What, old I Kennedy. mean, what else are you gonna do in Kennedy? You mean, yeah, like, just play some guitar, right? Yeah, that's it. I mean, if you so want three or four of you guys, or yeah, it was three or four of us, and um, three or four, yeah, which one? Well, sometimes it would be four, <laughs> okay, four total, yeah, does, four but, total, yeah. and everybody play guitar, yeah. We didn't so have had a, a band, or did y'all like play songs together? Or did y'all just jam, or like just jam, that? just jam, um, try to make up stuff, make yeah. up scales. And so uh, my parents' house during this time, from about sixteen to about twenty, it was fairly vacant. And so, so I would folks at work and it's gone or no? My mom she key. lived on the other side of Kennedy. Do we need to call? Uh, what we got? Moonsun House. Dude, what's up? Come be a part of the podcast, Moonsun. Man, I'm heading out. Sorry, guys. Where are you heading out to? Uh, I'm going back to the house. Okay. I forgot y'all were meeting here. Well, how are you? Good. Are we on pause or are we still going? We're going, but... Hey, everybody, we're still going. Munson, our, our, our landlord is here. Yeah. Hey. He looks awesome. His beard is glistening. Yeah, it's a good time to say Munson beard oil uh, and bombs. Yeah, you know, advertising. Get you some Memphis Luke. This is like a shameless plug, right? Yeah. This is what I was looking for. Tight. The guitar. You guys aren't using it. You better nah, get it. If I you can need use it. mine. Okay. I just played it because it's better. He came and got his git fiddle. All right, guys. All right, man. Peace, bro. Yeah, where were we? Uh, 
so your folks, yeah, they, so they, your house is vacant, so people yeah. came to your house. Yeah, so you my, and your brother, y'all chill. My, my grand, brother played guitar too? Or? No, my brother played mandolin for a couple of years. He got in that at the same time you got in guitar? A, like a few months before. But he, Before, okay. Yeah, and that, that kind of inspired a little bit too. But I didn't want to play mandolin. But I would end up taking his mandolin and learning mandolin. Playing, messing with it a little, yeah. yeah. But uh, it was a vacant house, and like my grandparents' house and my dad's house was like walking distance. And so from about the time we was 15 to 20, every weekend, um, we would throw house parties. Thursday night to Saturday night. And um, it, w- it was never really anything big, really. Like, most of the time, I would say it averaged about 10 to 12 people, but that was mainly just for uh, us. 10 to 12 people at y'all's yeah, folks' was, house. There, nobody, so is it like, like, so nobody's there, y'all are just chilling? Or is it like... Oh, it was beer there? And like, yeah. so when I tried... Well, I didn't know if it's like... you. Yeah, you play checkers with your parents, or if it's like you know, no, there was no, there was no adults. Okay, yeah, so that was key kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So y'all did that. That's what you did. and You played guitar. Yeah, and so around. did y'all write songs or did y'all just play stuff? There was no, uh, no original writing yet. Like Sid, uh, still to this day, uh, he writes good guitar work, but I, he's like as far as lyrics, he has a hard time writing words. That's hard to do. Hmm. Yeah. And uh, I think out of us, it was me or Andrew was the first person that kind of come out as a songwriter. Mm-hmm. And um, it was during that time that I would get hooked up with Dennis McKay. Oh, really? Uh, here in town, and he would do guitar lessons. And it was kind of, I think I was about 16. And, uh, yeah. It would have been 16 because I was just old enough to drive. And so I would work. And like the money I earned there, I would pay Dennis to give me some guitar lessons. And then lo and behold, a couple of years down the road, he would have a recording studio. Mm-hmm. And I would be able to record, you know, the three songs that I had written. Really? And so that was a cool experience. So you did that mm-hmm. with D. McKay? A little, yeah. A little EP. Yeah. D. McKay. That's it. You know his uh, nephew, Trevor? No. That dude's a beast. When I was uh, 16... We went to the Vernon South Lamar game. That's like a rivalry. Mm-hmm. And uh, Trevor McKay played the national anthem behind his head and with his tongue. With and his tongue? Like, not behind his head, and then he played a little bit with his tongue. Like, not at the same time. It's like if your tongue could wrap around your head, right, it's right, pretty right, dope. Right. But, yeah, yeah, yeah. But he, he was sick. And it, still, this day, he's playing. He had a band called Hobo Hippies, but I don't know if Hobo, but he's still playing. I don't know if I it's still know. Hobo Hippies or not, but. Yeah, I don't know everybody. So yeah, it, it was during that time. Like, so we would have these house parties to where we would have a small crowd to play for, and then it was right. on top of hmm? right. And then it was on top of like Dennis McKay and Sid was the guy that put me on. Uh, Dennis, he had actually uh, taken lessons from Dennis in the past, and um, that's how that started. But like, it was crazy. Like, at about fifteen, like when I was in that self-taught, I skipped this was um man we we didn't have a lot of whole lot of support uh at the house cuz we would we would all be back in my bedroom and we would be practicing and like down the hall you could hear whoever was in the living room or in the kitchen you know just laughing and just out of curiosity I would uh you know I'd walk in there and be like maybe there's a funny show on the TV no they were just having a good time with us <laughs> you know and we were uh you know, we were 
playing punk rock songs at that time, so it wouldn't be nothing to hear that. playing Taking Back Sunday. And you know, one of us would be back there screaming and just doing, I mean, I'm sure it was funny. And at that time, right. the only one that was probably mentionable as far as like being good would have been Sid because me and Andrew at that time were still learning. Yeah. And uh, like that, that was damaging. And I always thought that that was like maybe just their disappointment and me not... What was damaging? Like, like I guess as far as like... Uh, confidence in playing the instrument what damaged you what, uh, just the laughter you know just okay. in my own house my own family yeah okay you know that, okay that made it difficult and so like first time playing out uh dennis had asked me out to go play at uh it, it's tie by tie now right. it used to be like the fire station yeah yeah and uh that took a lot because all i had known was like those little house parties like playing with friends of course right. they're gonna be safer yeah. yeah, and then to go out and play at a bar and just to be called out uh, to play with Dennis's band at that time, you know, that was a oh, big deal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's and, cool, uh, man. It was cool, especially at that time. I was, hell, I don't even think I was old enough to be in there. I think I was 17. Really? You know, that was real cool. I was like, I'm in a bar. Yeah. It's like none of my Getting friends have done this. Right. Nobody's done this. Yeah. You know, that, 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 was, that was a cool experience. I mean, Dennis... The whole time that we were together, I ended up hanging out with him and doing lessons and recording. Uh, we had about a three-year span together there. Yeah? And uh, I mean, we had a oh, lot of fun. Oh, man, I didn't know that. Yeah, man. I don't know him very well, but, I, but we know each other. Uh, but, uh, Dennis McKay, cool, I call I call him. I've never told him personally. I don't know if he listens, but uh, I always thought of him as uh, Stevie Ray Vaughan incarnate. Really? <laughs> yeah, if you... I've seen that yellow strat. He's got that yellow strat. Dude. Throw, throw it down like Stevie Ray? Dude, yeah. Uh, in my opinion, man, like as far as like influence, and we can go back and forth on this, is I don't think there's been a better guitarist as far as like playing rhythm and lead at the same time as Stevie. Oh, yeah. Well, Stevie's right hand. Yeah. People underestimate Stevie's right hand. Yeah. You know. People, everybody's always looking at the left hand on anybody, but the right, Stevie's right hand, man, yeah. is bad. Yeah. Yeah. And I would say that Dennis's <laughs> right hand is just about as bad. Really? You know oh, what I mean? Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Dennis could get down, man. Yeah. yeah, still, yeah, yeah. still can. He still I'm does. I'm sure. I'm sure. But, uh. That's yeah. cool. Well, well, so it's been some time. So do you have another, how many How many songs we're going to hear from you today? One more. Just one more? You don't want to play an early song from way back when? Like, like if, if you're going to, if you were back in that day, man, like one song that like, if you're going to play was there one song that you covered that you liked or anything you a cover? Do? Well, I mean, I don't know if there's if there's or or even a song you wrote back then that you want to that you would do anymore. I'm not. You don't have to. I'm not prepared to play it. I have to put it on later. But there was. Uh, don't do that unless you want to. I just thought you might want. I mean, to play I, I could I could put it on later. Is right. uh, it was a, it was a co-write. Um, me and Eric Dawkins always hoped one day he would be my drummer, but uh, <laughs> we. Uh, we co-wrote a song together. It was called Black Sheep. Mm-hmm. And uh, the favorite line in that was is in the chorus. And uh, I didn't even know if Dennis allowed cussing in his studio, but we did. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. But, uh, I mean, come on, man. But uh, my favorite line in that was, uh, every time I see you smile, I see the bullshit in your teeth. That's <laughs> <laughs> good. And, and saying that at 17, you know, that's, that's, yeah. that's kind of wild. That's it. I like that. 
<laughs> I like that. Yeah. Cool, cool, cool. So yeah, so we'll we'll wait, we'll wait, we'll listen to your other song here after a bit. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll play another one in a little bit. So before. yeah, so we're so um, so from Kennedy and playing music and having a bit of a traumatic stuff as a child. What other so what what else has brought you all the way up to today? What what other things have uh, kind of been the bridge or the 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 notable. Oh, man. Parts of your story. So that... doing that part from about 15 to 20, I was wild. Uh, as all get out, like doing stupid teenage stuff. And so I was working at a truck stop. I, was, I had graduated high school at this time. And I was working at Mike's One Stop, running the cash register. And on Sunday, the church crowd got out, and a lot of them would eat there. And so um, Andrea Martin, uh, Keith Martin was the pastor at Kennedy Baptist. And like she woke up, walked up one day, you know, to pay... And uh, she had asked me, and I didn't know that my mother had been going to church. Like, after um, the divorce went down, like, us uh, going Both to church. divorced? Yeah. When they get divorced? How old were you? Like, 13. Huh. Yeah. And so, we, we were a church-going family, but after that, it kind of died down. Yeah. And uh, I didn't know she had gotten back down in the church. And Miss Andrea come up to me one day. She taught the college and career, and I was at that age group. And she asked me, uh, are you Alan Aldridge? And I said, uh, well, that depends. And uh, she, depends on what? Said, what you've heard. Huh. And uh, she's like, well, my name's Andrew. I do the college and career. I'm the pastor's wife. And I just wanted to let you know that I had been praying for you. Hmm. And uh, that meant a lot, you know, at the time. Because I had been out of church for five, six years and it wasn't like a lack of belief. Like, I've always believed in God, but uh, I wasn't practicing my faith, if that makes sense. And uh, I didn't really care a whole lot about it. And about after a month, I eventually went, and it was on a Wednesday night, and I went high. Yeah, just like me, I guess, but whatever. And, uh, I mean, I needed a crowbar to get these people off of me, man. It was like so many people that... uh. I knew that I had probably wronged over the past five years of my life and just living recklessly as a teenager. Yeah. And, I mean, they were hugging me, and they just loved on me. And uh, I had not felt, like, uh, that love in uh, probably ever. Just and It was from, like, complete strangers or people that probably, by all means, should have hated me. Hmm. But it was, like, the opposite. Wow. And so Keith, um, he wanted to learn how to play guitar, and, like, we were talking money after, like, the second lesson. And I was like, man, I, to be honest with you, um, I'll give you a guitar lesson for a Bible lesson. Like, I'm, hmm. I'm really curious about Christianity. Wow. And uh, I, I've been reading the Bible all my life, but there's a lot of things I don't understand. And I, I just need a little help. And so I'd teach him something about guitar, and then, like, as I had been reading that week, I would come to him about a question. I was like, I don't understand this passage. I don't understand what, what's going on. Can you help me? And so that's that's kind of how it matured, and it, it ended up uh, being like a mentor-mentee kind of thing yeah, sure. for about a year. And then uh, the Kennedy Baptist would get hooked up with Friendship Baptist in Mobile, Alabama. And for the first time in Kennedy Baptist history, they were going to go on an international mission trip to Guatemala. And I did not sign up. Mm-hmm. Didn't plan on going, didn't want to go. And one day we were doing a guitar lesson, and Keith told me, he said, uh, 
your name's on the list to go. And I was like, well, you should take it off. Mm-hmm. I don't have the money to go, and I don't have a passport. And he was like, somebody already paid. You just need to get your passport. Wow. And um, he didn't even tell me at the time. I was at the airport, man. And he was like, by the way, you're leading worship for the whole week. Mm-hmm. Like, <laughs> oh, oh, in Guatemala? Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah, yeah, for that. And so, like, to backtrack just a little bit, um, the only person at the time at Kennedy Baptist who had done anything other than, like, the piano organ was uh, Whitney Collins. She had played guitar one time, and it went over well. But during that time at Kennedy, like, uh, the worship minister, he had asked me to put together a band. It was the first time I'd ever done that. Right. And um, so that, that's kind of like the worship background and just like music in that background. And then went to Guatemala and that was life changing. And I had a lot of things going on that was stirring me because I was at Shelton State. I had been working in this field and uh, I got a degree in industrial electronics and I got a job at electric motor sales and service. And I had worked in that field for about a year. And I just, it was a great job. I was happy with it. But there was something that was missing to me. Like, life wasn't really fulfilling. Like, I had a good job as a... I didn't have any student loans at the time. You know, and then for like a 19, 20-year-old, I thought I was doing fairly well, mm-hmm. you know? But uh, something was tugging at me, and that mission trip really opened my eyes to uh, more. And so I would eventually move to Mobile to go to the University of Mobile to uh, pursue um, an education in ministry. Uh, missions. Mm-hmm. I like missions. And uh, yeah. I, d- I didn't know what it meant at first. And still to this day, I don't know what it means. But uh, it's it slowly unravels itself. But uh, so I would be down in Mobile and I would go to Friendship because I know those people. I met them in Guatemala. Right. So they're a base for you down there. Yeah. And I would get into the foundation band and that would be where I would meet Levi. And me and Levi would go on to have a band called the General Specific after we had the foundation band for five years. And the foundation band, that was just like the youth band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know? Um, and while I was at University of Mobile, I was in the music program for a year, but it wasn't really working out because the whole time I was down there, I lived off campus, and uh, my major was in intercultural studies, and I was minoring in music, and like my minor was eating up all my time. And I, I didn't have a piano, and so like sight singing was killing me. Oh my god! And my and my GPA. I bet everybody out there has ever been a musician, major in music, just said yeah. They just <laughs> they just puked their beer out or something because somebody said sight singing. Yeah, I remembered how awful and embarrassing and difficult yeah. that was. Oh, I mean, I told you like god. in the previous podcast, um, Doctor Hughes, the guy who had taught was teaching sight singing. Um, it was like the final. And he went up there, and he just kind of marked me off. <laughs> he did He did me a favor, and he said, Alan, are you thinking about doing this again next semester? And I was like, I don't think so. And he said, it's probably best. Probably best. Yeah. <laughs> I had a lady named Martha Tinsdale down in southern Mississippi. And, man, she felt so sorry for me. But she would take, spend an hour with me every morning after music theory at 8. She'd spend, like, another hour with me. And but the sight singing, she'd just be... I mean, I think I made a C minus, you know, yeah. a lot of times, and she was really gracious. Yeah, man, same here. You know, and even during that meeting, he was like, "Alan, like there are pianists down here. You can sit down and like practice these notes, man." Right. It's if like you don't play piano. It's it's not that he said. I think you can do it. Yeah. He's like, you're not you're not putting in the time to do it. Right. And I was like, 
if I'm not here, I'm working. I was like, I live off campus, man. I got, yeah. I got rent. I got electric bills. Right. I was like, I don't have, um, you know, a, I'm not that. a trust fund baby. Right. Like, I'm doing this all on me. Right. And uh, he was like, I understand it. He said it might be in your best interest to just Cause stop. Because, yeah, you got you to gotta, yeah, yeah. do the time. Yeah, because I couldn't do the time. But, I mean, while I was down there and in the music program, man, like, uh, I, I learned a lot about singing. Sure. Didn't learn anything about guitar. Didn't even touch it. Like, I did, like, you had to pick an instrument. Like, uh, right. I picked voice. Because that was one thing I really wanted to hone into. I wasn't really worried about guitar. I wanted to learn how to sing better. Uh-huh. Um, and that that was a big thing for confidence, was um, being in like uh, the choir and people, yeah. the sight singing and doing performances and mm-hmm. all that in front of folks. Singing in the choir is fun. Yeah, it is fun. I like it. You know? I've always yeah. sang in the choir my whole life. I haven't yeah. sang in the choir. Yeah. Yeah. It's fun. So so doing that, messing with music down there, how'd you, uh, how, do, how about port? how do we get to... Uh, how do we get to here? How do you get back to Kennedy? Yeah. Okay, so my last year and a half in Mobile, um, I had dated a girl pretty much the entire time I was living down there, and we were going to get married. And, um, like, right at two years, um, she left. And so that w- that was, that had a little bit, but it wasn't the biggest thing. Um my grandfather had died, as I was telling you, my hero, he had died like a year before this. Huh. And I was having a real hard time with that. And I didn't, like, I, like even with her or even with anybody, I didn't really feel like I had anybody I could talk to. Like, it was, like, hard for me to convey, like, how much that meant. Because, like, after he'd passed, man, because anything that went wrong, like, if I had a problem with my truck, I'd call him. Yeah, if, I had, if I had a problem with anything, and so, like, there were times, like, he had been dead for, like, three months, and I would be calling him, and like it would be like me uh, looking at the phone and be like, "He's not there." And I'm thinking, "What are you gonna do?" Yeah. He's not there. You're gonna have to figure this out for yourself, man. Hmm. And um, she she had left, and uh, man, I, I it was a low time, and that was when the general specific was born because I, I think Levi saw it. Like music has always been something that pulled me out of like slumps or depressions or however you want to put it. And because uh, at that time, like the the foundation band was no longer a thing, it was just like me and Levi, like just throwing something together, like last minute if somebody needed something. And that's that's all that music was for me at that point. But right. like music was always like the the high point for me. Like if I got to play somewhere, it was a really big deal to me. Yeah. And so um, Cam Lewis, he was hosting the open mic. Uh, I think it's called the Pelican Reef. I can't even remember now. That's, that's horrible, but. It's right between the bayou and Dolphin Island. And we would go out there and play, and after the first time that we played there, the owner asked if we would come back and play. And so we got gigs there. And so every Sunday evening, like, we had a little two-hour slot that we would play. We'd done Sweet. that uh, for right at two or three months. And Levi, he had gotten married a little bit after I did, and he had a child on the way. And so he told me, you know, like, when we were going into the band, he was like, when it's about time for the baby, this is this mm-hmm. is going to be it for the general specific. And I was like, I, I understand that, you know. Yeah. And so after that happened, was making fairly decent money doing that, and I was working at this place called Heritage. And after the music dried up, well, I had to find another job because 
it wasn't a two-person income anymore. It was just one on top of, like, other things that were coming in. And my grandmother's health in Kennedy was failing, and my dad had just had a stroke. And so I got a second job at uh, – I was managing the freight department at Heritage Used Auto. They're like – they probably still are one of the biggest eBay used car part sellers on eBay. And uh, my landlord, he was a supervisor at UPS, and they were hiring – and I got a supervisor job at UPS at night. And so right. I would work from 8 o'clock to 4, and then I would turn around and go in at 7 to 1 o'clock in the morning, and then I would turn around and do it all over again. And that's, and that's what my weeks looked like. And, dude, that was killing me. Yeah. And that sucked. And, like, I would call home, and my grandmother's self was getting worse and worse. And so... Uh, one day, uh, Caleb, the owner of Heritage, he pulled me in the office. He had found out I was working at UPS, and he told me, you know, to put it short, you're going to work here or there because I'm, you're coming in late. And I know you got some personal things going on in your life, but, man, I'm paying for eight hours of your time. You need to give me eight hours. And I mean, I respect that. Right. And so I was like, well, I'm just going to put my notice in, you know. Mm-hmm. And so I called Electric Motors where I'd been working here in Columbus. Right. Called Charlie Studdard. And uh, I said, man, I'm moving back home. You got a place for me? He said, you know I do. Mm. And so I put in my notice at UPS. And, of course, like all the guys at UPS, you're making, you know, probably one of the biggest mistakes of your life. Like uh, nobody has ever been hired in like this, and nobody is on the trajectory that you're on. Like, you're walking away from a lot of money if you do this. And I was like, I can't. I've got to come back. Mm. And so Porch Talk comes. When I moved back here, I was catching up with friends that I hadn't seen in six years. And we were literally sitting on a porch. And there would be, you know, a guitar posted up against the post. Or maybe there was a keyboard handy. Maybe they were a keyboardist. And uh, after we had talked, just like me and you are doing now, one of us would pick up the guitar and be like, hey, man, I just learned this song. Or, hey, man. I just wrote this song. And after doing that, like two or three times with different folks, I was like, I think we got something. Like, I don't, I don't, I listen to podcasts, but there's not anything quite like this. Mm-hmm. And um, that's, that's where it was born. Hmm. You know, that's, that's where it came from. Wow. And I never thought it would get off my porch. Really? Like, uh, when I hit Munson up to when I first met you, uh, was that the first? Was that off your porch? The first one off your porch? That wasn't the first one. That was the third one. Third one. Okay. I was there that day? You were there. It was you, Munson, and Gibson. Ah. And, uh, I mean, that, that, was a, uh, that was a big deal, man. That was a big deal. Because the, the first one was Colin Crager. And then I didn't the second realize. One was, I didn't the realize. second one was Jamie Nettles. I did not realize. And then it was Munson and Brothers. I mean, those are two those are big people right there. Jamie Nettles and Colin Krieger, those are famous people around here. They're famous. I yeah. mean, really. And uh, that was a big deal. Because, like, and I never would have done it if it wasn't for, like, the supporting folks of the show. Right. Like, uh, Blake Dillard, like, he's the one that told me about Colin Krieger. He's like, you ever heard of him? I was like, I don't have a clue who he is. He was like, he sent me a link to uh, his Good for Business page. And, like, where all he does is, like, literally promote, like, what's good going on in Columbus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was like, man, this is an interesting cat. And he seems like he's got his hands on anything. I was like, does this guy want to be, like, political one day? What's going on Uh with this guy? And I was like, well, maybe if I just sit down with him and talk, we can figure this thing out. Was there any music there, though? Did he play music? Colin? Yeah. No, I I closed that show. (laughs) But, uh. So you closed it. 
And then Jamie, and Jamie's all into music. Yeah. And so Jamie and Sunstroke. And that introduced, that introduced Sunstroke House, and that's kind of like how me getting right? Sunstroke artists. Sunstroke artists, and that's really cool because it's a cool scene. Yeah, man. And you're getting into some scenes in Memphis, some other scenes. Scenes in Nashville. Scenes in Nashville. Scenes in Athens, Georgia. Um, Tuscaloosa. Right. And here. Here. The, the Golden Triangle. Well, yeah, right, right. So you got a thousand... Uh, over a thousand people listening to Forge Talk are here. That's what I hear. No, it's not quite that. I heard it's about a thousand. That's pretty cool. It's so, it grows a lot. Yeah, it's uh, cool. We got so we got some people that are tuning in. Yeah, man, checking out the artists. And, it's it's uh, crazy. Uh, song, I, is it more song? So do you feel like it's shifted and it and and there's more songwriting and more music and so it's a little bit tilted towards that, which is cool. I mean, it seems like that to me. Yes. That's okay. I yeah, mean. that's okay. But, like, that was never, like, I mean, if you read the information or the description of the show, like, that was never the intent. But that's where my heart is. That's mm-hmm. what I like. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, I'm going to invite it. And as the show continues to progress, you know, if uh, as you get one artist from Memphis, it's easier to get another because it, you, build, right. you build clout. Right, right, right. In that regard. And uh, I, th- I think it grows from that. Right. And some of the other things I've done, I entered the NPR Tiny Desk concert, and I got a lot of, I made a lot of friends through doing that. Really? And a lot of those guys have come on the show. Oh, wow. Yeah, and those were phone interviews, and like wow. uh, Fuzzy and the Rust Belts from New York, and uh, Nikki O'Neill from California. I should have done it. You don't mean to do it with yeah. you, and I just didn't. Somebody talked yeah. me out of it. <laughs> and I had uh, Linda Marks from Boston, and so like we've we've and like porch talk has been written up in a journal in Boston. Really? And so I mean, it's, oh wow, we've, we've had some cool things happen, man. Tell me, uh, so tell me, I don't want to put you on the spot for just but just for fun. So you've listened to a lot of songwriters talk. So what do you what what do you see? What have you learned from your experience interviewing, you know, eighty people that write <laughs> songs? 90 people that write songs yeah man um, I mean you obviously you're getting this repository of sort of you're hearing something so every every episode that I've put up that I've, there's always a lesson to take away from it and um, you've mentioned it like with Soren is uh, one thing I learned from her is like I don't want to I don't want to waste chords right I don't want I don't want yeah, I don't like want to waste music yeah and then Josh Cosby is uh, I don't want to waste time it's like, I don't want to write a four-minute song or four-and-a-half, five-minute, six-minute song. I, I want to I do it in two-and-a-half to three-and-a-half. Oh, and really? I want to I get to the chorus. Don't, get, get to the don't chorus. Don't bore us. Get to the chorus. Yeah, that's, that's it. Tom Petty has it. Yeah, exactly. And I, that's good advice. And, it, like, and realistically, it makes it easier Like when I'm in the mode of songwriting or, or with these songs I've got here. It's like the whole mindset was... Um, Typically, the way I do it and is the first verse is like I want to introduce uh, the character or the place or, or what's going on. And then there may be a second verse, but then we're going to be at the chorus. Then there'll be a third short verse, and then you'll hit the chorus maybe twice. Mm-hmm. And that's the song. Right. Or how I, I try to do it a little bit differently as I go. Um, Sean James, man, like... Uh, he shared a lot about his songwriting experience and like uh, he sets his thing up almost in seasons like he does all his writing in the winter because he's, really? in, he's in tour from spring oh, to right. fall right, 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 right. and so he, he gives himself two three months in the winter to write huh. on top of man like some of 
some of his songs like came from him leaving Nashville to go back to Chicago because his little sister had cancer. And it's like some hard-hitting things, you know. And uh, Ross Newell, man, like I think he's a phenomenal songwriter, and I learned a lot from Ross. Um, uh, I, I think he's very clever, and I, I like the way that he describes things. And so when I think about things, I like to put on a Ross record and like just hear the way that he constructed the environment and to hear like what he was doing because like he'll go into detail like one of my favorite songs that he does right now is called red dress lady that's actually mulligan brothers you need to look it up that way but mm-hmm. um it opens up he said uh, i've torn my label into thousands of pieces and he's talking about how anxious he is for his girl to get to the to the restaurant or to the bar and like he doesn't think that she's gonna make it but there she is. Eventually she makes it. But he's going through all of just how uh, naive he feels and how he feels like he's being passed over mm. until you get to the chorus and then she's here. Right. And so it's like, it's a beautiful narrative, man. Yeah. Um, golly, man, I could just go down the list. Yeah. You know. That's your favorite part of uh, doing porch talk is, is hearing people's stories of their songs or... Their connection with music in real life, or what? What? All of those. To me, that's what's really cool. Is I like the connection to real life, and yeah, all of those things, man. And like with each episode, like when I go through back and edit and listen, like it's like a lot of people, I, I believe, maybe have stopped listening because uh, they think it's a music podcast and they're not a musician. It's not really. It's if you're a musician, like it's definitely going to be something that you're into. Mm-hmm. But there's a lesson to take from every episode. Right. And that, that's what's been most important to me is like uh, Sylvia Rose Novak, I just had her on. And uh, she's about to have her fourth album out. And like she went back and said, like, I wasn't really satisfied with my first two albums, but I didn't know what I was doing. Right. And I wouldn't go back and change it. And I was like, from right there, what I gather is like, well, there's no such thing as wasted time. Like she was working at what she wanted. She just didn't know the people at the time to be like give her you know this is how you should do it this is right. the way you should do it she just kind of found her way into it I think you have to do things I mean I think that that's the way in as you do it yeah you, the wasting time is procrastinating and planning and reading about and studying and yeah. getting ready for and making a plan and having another meeting and eventually you have to write eventually yeah. you have to yeah, you, you have put, to go yeah you know I mean, I love the old. Uh, there's an old. There's a famous uh, line of Steve Jobs. Apparently, Steve Jobs ran through Apple, saying, "Real artists ship." What? Real artists ship. 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 You produce something. Ship. They ship something. You gotta get it out. Real artists. I mean, uh, you know, you. And he's got a point that you don't just sit in your bedroom and never I mean I guess you could if you do it for yourself but what you don't just do it for yourself kind of fun you gotta that? write a song and let it be translated to somebody else's ears yeah. in whatever way that it, it does you know and yeah. so and then you try to ship man have it have a record cut a record yeah. you know write a book yeah and that's where I'm at man it's so um, with Porch Talk and I mean just before I started Porch Talk um like a month before um I had considered moving to South Korea. 
Like we, missions, we, right back we, to cross-cultural missions and stuff, right? No, it was going to be uh, nothing to do with missions. It was going to be me. Um, I have a great friend over there at Hokanon. Uh, he was an exchange student when I was in 11th grade. Uh-huh. He's come back twice since then to visit. And um, I called him, you know. I was like, you know, things here in America ain't really working out for me. <laughs> and, Might uh, try a new country. I'd like to try, yeah, to try a new country, man. You put me up. And he was like, no problem, man. I'm... Uh, <laughs> I'm about to get married, and I was like, "Oh no, I, I'm not gonna do that." Thing. You know, I was like, that, "That's a big deal, dude." He's out. Yeah, yeah. That's, that's not, not that's happen. not good. Yeah. And so uh, backed out on that, and so I really chased the porch talk thing. But, but now is since I've met all these wonderful folks, um, artists, and just entrepreneur mindsets, and just people that I find inspiring, that I think there's a lesson to be drawn from. Right. Is Sometime middle of next year is what I'm hoping for. It's going to depend on money and how I decide to do it. What? Is I'm going to drop an album, man. We're going to, we're going to record. So you're going to record a record? Yes. A Porch Talk record or Alan Aldridge? That's going to be Alan Aldridge. I, and that's like to go back to that for a second. Taylor Holland's work, man. Something I took. Because like, as I was going through writing and wanting a band, like I was trying to pick a band name. And like he said something that just made so much sense to me was... uh. You do a project. I think it's important, especially if you are the songwriter and if you are the man, is it be named after you? N- then, no matter what happens with the rest of the band, you still have you. It's still you. Yeah. It, you never lose that, especially if it is you. If you're putting in the work. Now, granted, you know, um, Betty may have wrote the bass part and she plays the bass. Well, playing music, yeah. playing the backgrounds with. The, yeah. That'd be hard to do. I mean, you have to. You have to know all the music, and it'd be interesting how you want. You'll have to get a producer. Yeah, but you could. Yeah, you know that's where a producer comes in. They, but that's the fifth thing. Beatle, you know. Yeah. I mean George Martin. Yeah, that's the thing though. Is like <laughs> if I was to cut again, like I would have no issue with like doing it again with Dennis. Dude, but D, yeah, D's producer. That's that's right. And so I might, yeah. it may be like a DIY, but uh, that's we'll see, man. You never yeah. know. I'm figuring it out. You know, there's people you can talk to. I mean, if you're gonna go. Renovate your house. You go to a good hardware store and say, "Who do would you use?" Yeah, you know. So I'm, yeah. I, I bet you find those people. Yeah, and I'm already asking around. So, uh, so, so, hundred episodes, porch talk, um, exciting stuff. It's take taking you further than you thought you'd go. It took it, it's taken off further than more than you thought it would. Yeah, and it's it's inspired you in ways you didn't think you you never dreamed. Yeah. Met, and met you have no, I've you have never no, meet. you never meet. You've got you rubbing shoulders. You've got no uh, plan to stop, but only to continue on. You've only been doing it since this year, right? It's it's been over like a year and two months. Year now. and two months. So fourteen months, and you've got a hundred episodes. So you're just going to continue to pump episodes pump. twice a week. You're dropping episodes, pumping them, and uh, you're uh, you're just wanting to. Connect people with music, connect people with story, uh, celebrate story, celebrate the South. Celebrate the arts, man. Celebrate the arts. Yeah. Be a Patreon of yeah. all good things. Oh, that's it, man. That's Everything the that, a port, that a good back porch could hold. That's it. That's the gist, man. Right, right. Yeah. That's awesome, man. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, do you want to sing any more? How do, yeah, how, man. I'm going to close you... this thing out with one more jam. Awesome. This is... Uh, it's called Those Days, These Days.
Those days I left behind These days there's no chance for rain Left what I knew for city life Nothing but sirens and they hinder me Hinder me Those days I think about when These days they're so full of doubt I've forgotten born on Bradley's Mill I started falling and I'm falling still Falling, falling still Sadly, for the moment The feeling is cold Those days are an old flame These days are what remains A constant seeker with a heart under wrist A pillow for memory and a bitter regret Regret Oh, but I'm falling I'm falling still Out of these days Back into those Sadly, it's for the moment Feeling is cold Here's 200 uh, episodes and 100 more. Yes, sir, man. I was thinking 1,000 more. 1,000. <laughs> yeah, well, Bo, thanks thank for having me. Bo, thank you so much for hosting it, man. Pleasure, man. All right. It's been another episode of Porch Talk. We're out of here. Peace. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.